What's going on, everybody? Here's the podcast shout out for our newest episode. We are giving our shout out to the Super Media Brothers podcast. Now, these guys follow us on both Twitter and on Facebook, and their show is so awesome. It's very, very fun. It's pretty close to what we do here on Collateral Cinema. And they've given us a lot of love on Twitter, a lot of love on Facebook, and we really would love for you to go and check out their show. It's Super Media Brothers Podcast. You can find it on iTunes and wherever else you find your podcasts. They're really, really super cool guys, and we really, really wish them a whole lot of success. And also, be sure to check us out on our Podbean Patron page. We have movie commentaries there, and we will be retooling our Patreon page here very, very, very soon. It's going to be more of a pay-by-the-post thing instead of a monthly tier thing, since we realize that people may not want to pay for both at the same time. So we're going to kind of retool it so that everybody is not inconvenienced and has to spend more money than they need to on our show. So, ladies and gentlemen, check out Super Media Brothers, check out our Patreon and our Podbean Patreon page, and, as usual... On with the show. I'm Bo Maddox. I'm Robert Ortegon. I'm Ashley Chancellor. I'm Dakota Chancellor. This is Collateral Cinema. Welcome to Collateral Cinema, the only movie podcast that matters, where we focus on good movies, bad movies, and everything else in between in the world of cinema. We're podcasting straight from somewhere in South Texas, and yes, my friends, we are a 420-friendly podcast. So, smoke it if you got it, my friends. Smoke it if you've got it. And man, we are checking out a classic movie here, Robert, aren't we? Yes, we are. Yes, this is a movie that you chose yourself since it kind of plays into your love of cars and automobiles and everything. It is the 1968 Peter Yates-directed and Steve McQueen-starring vehicle, Bullet. Yay. We, we just oh. got through watching this entire movie, and we went ahead and recorded a commentary yeah. on it. So, I mean, we had not a whole lot to say because we were trying to save it for the actual episode, but... Robert, when did you first encounter this movie particularly? And when did you encounter Steve McQueen as an actor? Probably, you know, when I was a kid watching the Blob movie, you know? Yeah, that's right. He was in the I mean, Blob. That's the first movie I do have on Criterion Collection. It's your only Criterion My Collection. My only Criterion Collection, sorry. Yeah. I mean, I have like 25 of them or something like that <laughs> by this point. <laughs> True yeah. cinephile. True cinephile. Speaking to the microphone, Ash. I'm speaking into the microphone. Yeah, there you go. The Pacer test is a. Exactly. <laughs> now, Ash and Dakota, this was the first time that y'all seen this movie. What did y'all think about it? Steve uh, McQueen is a badass. Total badass, man. I mean, he he made this movie like just seamless, almost. You know. Yeah, I've I've never seen Steve McQueen before. I, I've seen Lightning McQueen in Cars. Oh, of course, yeah. We're, we're, 
obviously we're gonna have to do cars if we're gonna keep doing car flicks. I mean, come on, yeah. car flick of all car flicks. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. It's, our next one's probably gonna be going to sixty seconds on season three. Yeah, oh, I was watching yeah. that with you the other day. I caught a, a, a whiff of that. Yeah, that's actually a really classic movie in its own right. And oh, yeah. I mean, I I actually remember watching that with you, and man, the car chase in that was almost half the movie. I mean, it was fuck. Yeah, dude. I mean, th- that was like really, really, really fast paced. It was action packed and. Honestly, it has some really great automobiles in it, right? Mm-hmm. Definitely. So, Robert, what kind of uh, vehicles were really involved in this movie? Like, I mean, go go through some of the actual vehicles that were used here. See, the famous chase scene, we used, uh, again, both cars are 68s. Yeah. You know, the Ford Mustang Fastback 68 GT. And... Uh, the Dodge Challenger. No, I think it's a Charger. Yeah, 68 RT. Okay. And both are brand new at that time. Wow, so these were brand spanking new vehicles that were being brand new. here. So this was pretty much an advertisement for those particular cars. Yeah, huh? this Product like placement. all the cars are mostly Ford. Like I see Fairlane like passing by everything. Yeah. Wow. That's really cool. And we don't really see a whole lot of these vehicles in this movie though cuz this is more of a slow-paced kind of mob thriller more or less, right? Yeah. Just protecting a you know, a mob snitch. Right. Protective custody mostly. Yeah. Right on. And uh and and there's a a character here who's a senator apparently played by Robert Vaughn and he's actually aiming to take down a mob boss. Yeah. And according to these notes that you made, like we had Robert do our itinerary, by the way. Why don't you go ahead and take that? Go through that. Yeah, just kind of, kind of go through it a little bit. Like, I mean, we have Robert Vaughn. He's a senator. He wants to take down a mob boss. We have Robert Duvall, and we have Robert Ortegon. Robert, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And Jacqueline Bissett, which is beautiful. I don't, right. I don't think I've ever seen her in anything else. Not either have I. Hot it, hot it, hot it, hot. Yeah. Yeah, but she didn't really have a whole lot to do in this movie. No, she was she? mostly like architect and really quiet mostly. Yeah, yeah she she was kind of ancillary, you know, kind of thrown in the fridge even a little bit, so to speak. She was an important reaction moment. Yeah, that's true. I mean, there was that scene where she she just saw that dead body, that girl that was strangled. Right. Yeah. And she's just totally shocked by it, and she's really, really shaken, and Steve McQueen's just, you know, he's a cop. He's really, really, you know... He's pretty much used to it. it all, yeah, right yeah he's, de- he's desensitized to it. and But she's, like, just completely shaken to her core, and she's just like, how does any of that not reach you? How do, how do you not react to this? Yeah. Yeah, it really shows her character. Yeah. yeah shows his character even more. True. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's just like anybody else. I mean, she she reacts the, that way anybody would. And she's just completely shaken by the fact that that's the world that Bullet lives in. Yeah, exactly. Which is uh, Steve McQueen's character. Frank Bullet. I mean, that's the fucking awesomest name ever, right? Yeah, that is a quintessential fucking cop name, <laughs> honestly. <I feel laughs> like Especially that, for a movie. I feel like that should have been the Punisher's real name. Right. Frank Castle. Is. <laughs> Frank Frank Castle. Yeah, no shit. <laughs> Instead of Frank Castle. 
Now, I mean, so the basic plot is Robert Vaughn's character, he wants to take out a mob boss that is has a disproportionate amount of power, I would assume. Mm-hmm. And there's a particular witness that needs to be uh, protected here, right? Yeah. And I saw something here, notes about the mobster's hothead brother. Like, what? how does he play into this? Um, He is placed under protective custody by Frank. Right on. Okay. Okay. And and Frank's more or less just trying to protect him and trying to keep yeah. him from... But he there are hitmen after him. Right. Yeah. I think out-of-town shooters probably mostly. Right? Yeah, that's right. And and they seem to be professionals, but they don't actually kill him or the cop protecting him, right? No. They don't finish the job, actually, first time. Now, that that kind of gets to me a little bit. It's like, how, how the hell would actual professionals, you know, not follow through like that i mean you I would, and w- within the construct of a movie like this i mean you would you would think so right that was a little weird like i thought at first maybe they were intentionally trying to just do a warning and i mentioned that in the commentaries that that's the way i read it but then later on he went and tried to finish the job later so is was i mean was it uh, just them dropping the ball or something i mean yeah. That, was, that was pretty sloppy, too. I mean, yeah, I th- mean, those okay. weren't really kill shots. I mean, no. Well, they shot him in the fucking knee. Like the, the knee. Shin. And, and, the, and shoulder. the other guy was the shoulder, the shoulder too. Right. Yeah. Yeah, which, Above where the heart would be. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, which made me assume that he wasn't going for kill shots, but then I guess he really was. So that, that was a little odd there. Mm-hmm. Maybe just bad aim. I don't know. Yeah, because that shotgun would have massacred everybody. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) Easily. Easily. The chance of you hitting them and it doing a kill shot is a lot higher than it not doing a kill shot. Buck shots all in that room, dude. Yeah. Jeez. Yeah, no kidding. Anyway, yeah, they they shot this in San Francisco using pretty much no scenery at all. That's crazy. No stage, you know. That's really cool, I think. Like, I wish more movies did that. I mean, don't build sets, but, you know actually use the San Francisco landscape or whatever city you're Texas, doing in. especially Texas. Yeah. Yeah, yeah here yeah, in Texas, right. there's a lot of different locations and landscapes that can be used for movies not like this. I mean, in, in Death Proof, I mean, I believe that that was mostly yeah. filmed in Austin and, uh, and around uh, the Texas and California border, right? There you go. Yeah. Texas Chainsaw Massacre, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> Remakes. But, you know, in particular, I can think of one movie that was shot in San Francisco that used none of the landscape. <laughs> yes. Oh yeah, we all know. It was all set building. <laughs> yeah, we all know what you're thinking. The room. About. Yeah. Once again, we're going back to the room. You got it. You got it. I mean, this was a San Francisco movie, also. Yeah, that's true. True, straight up San Francisco. Isn't that right, Robert? Oh yeah. Now I I see here that you mentioned complications and double crosses. This is how. A uh, bullet actually tries to follow the trail of the hitman. Like, uh, what does that really entail there? Mostly just being misleaded, you know, around. No kidding. So, so yeah. I mean, he's really just trying to pick up leads. He's trying yeah. to find out who actually tried to kill the witness. It eventually leads him to a couple of professionals, and uh, it leads to a really, really interesting car chase scene. Oh, yeah. Actually. One of the most. Badass scene. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It, it, once again, very iconic. I mean, there's lots of iconic scenes in this. I think that's kind of why, I mean, this isn't necessarily a car movie. And I, I had that impression when, when you first talked about this, because, uh, but then I, I started watching it. And almost none of it is, is that, but just it's the, just that one scene is very memorable. So that kind of, scene, yeah. this goes down as something, I, I guess, for car enthusiasts. 
Yeah, but also the scenes where Steve McQueen as Bullet is actually doing the detective work, that was actually very interesting in its own right, you know? Yeah, I agree. Because there was very much kind of a feeling of hyper-realism to it that honestly kind of caught my eye, especially for a movie coming from the late 60s. I mean, this was where... You know, you started to kind of see that transition as far as directing and acting to where things were a little more realistic. And, you know, they weren't very they weren't as stylized as movies used to be. I mean, we're we're going into the new Hollywood era here. You know, we're going into like the post uh, Easy Rider era and everything. Just barely going into the 70s. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, when you start getting into stuff like Rocky and Taxi Driver and also Scorsese films, you know, horror movies like The Exorcist and Halloween. I mean, that, that, that was a really a transitional period, and this is kind of at the tip of that, more or yeah. less. Yeah, the hyper-realism uh, really struck me. I think, I mean, Dakota, you said that stood out to you more than the actual plot did to the point that you said you were you were having difficulty following the yeah, plot. Yeah, right? I wasn't even paying attention to the plot most of the movie. I was focused on the cinematography. I yeah. mean, it was, it was, it was crazy. I, I was, I lost all direction to the plot. That's why this, the second time watching it is actually, it's giving me a lot more focus to it. But Yeah, the cinematography was extremely immersive. Oh, yeah. I mean, you can see the really long shots they took. You could see, you know, there's a scene where, you know, there's a couple people you're focusing on them going through a set of doors while at the same time, another group of people is coming out those, the other doors. Yeah. And you change focus on those people. And I thought that was really interesting. It really was. And I mean, and also it was a very immersive kind of cinematography. Right. Like, for instance, everything is very angular, but it's never completely centered. And even in shots where it does have a center, the center is always kind of out of focus. It's always right. in the background. Like, especially with some of the shots where it has bullet uh, walking and talking with somebody. But yeah. er everything else, you actually see, like, these very angled shots. Nothing is really centered. Right. And also, I mean, the color palette is muted, but still somewhat colorful. Right. And but it's, always, it's still very muted, though. Yeah, and there's always some kind of sort of focus that's, like, not the main character. Like, there's one scene where there's this blue light in yeah, the hallway. The lighting. Yeah, yeah exactly. you're, you're focused on something else. You're not focusing on what's going on. you got to look at everything. And it's crazy to see how much a detail, you know, they paid attention to the detail of this movie. I think it's pretty cool. The, the shots in this movie really feel like you're a bystander in the events. Right. I mean, we noticed it particularly in the hospital scene, how when you came in, normally when you watch a movie, and I think you were the one to bring this up, was normally when you come into a movie with a hospital scene, all the attention is focused on it. There's noise everywhere. There's panic, yep. mass chaos, not, not unlike... Our commentary that was mass chaos, right, guys? <laughs> yeah, it was. Oh, Jesus Christ, it was total chaos. Are you kidding me? Two men are killed. 
An officer in the hospital, a witness almost murdered. Captain Baker would like to have a word with you. Now listen to me, Lieutenant. All right, nail him. I want him written off. Do you let anything reach you? I mean, really reach you? Or are you so used to it by now that nothing really touches you? You're living in a sewer, Frank. Day after day. With you, living with violence is a way of life. Living with violence and death. Frank Bullet swinging, you know he's heading for a crash with that wall of official disapproval. But when some rare Chicago blood starts spilling in San Francisco, they hand Bullet the mop. Now, what went wrong, Lieutenant? Who else knew where he was? What? Who else knew where he was? What have you been implying? Well, they knew where to look for him and they used your name to get in. Are you suggesting I disclosed his whereabouts? You believe what you want. You work your side of the street and I'll work mine. But in any case, um, normally that's the case. And in here, it, it's just, they just run in. That's what happens in real life. And not only that, but, you know, like you guys said, all the shots are set up that way so that it's just slightly out of focus. And it feels like you're just a part of the events. The The pacing of the film worked in that way, too, in that all the mundane moments were kept in. All yeah. the silences and, and lack of dialogue at times was just intentionally there to, to just get the feeling of, of real life. Right. Yeah. And well, not in a boring way, like I, I mentioned on a previous episode, but like in a way that just highlights the eccentricities of life. Well, they did that so easily by just staying at a more further view from everything, kind of this third person view. Whereas you're not, they don't ever show you a view for in inside on the gurney, you know, as they're rushing down the hallway. No, you're looking away. You're you're multiple feet away, watching onto it, and you can see what's going on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And in a way, it kind of transitions away from the more staged feel that movies had all the way up to maybe about the mid '60s. I mean, a lot of movies they kind of felt like a play. In, the 50s, in many ways, mostly. in the fifties and and also in a lot of the early sixties, but I mean, especially with a lot of the European stuff that started coming out, like especially when it came to like horror, like I mean, you started to kind of see that transition away from that. You know, you started to see shots that were more like uh, an exaggerated version of Hitchcock's style yeah. in many ways. Yeah. I mean, and th there's some things that are kind of Hitchcockian about this movie, but I mean, not entirely. I mean, it's not nearly as cerebral. It's more just in the shots, more than anything. I mean, as far as the writing in this movie is concerned, I mean, the plot, it does in many ways move at a very glacial pace. But whenever you get to the actual action parts, I mean, it, it's seamless. It never seems like it dragged on. One thing I noticed right away is that even the opening credits cut 
right into the action. None of that bullshit. None of that, okay, let's set up some silent exposition and some fade-in shots here. Mm, it was just, yeah. you immediately got the action. And then the rest of the movie was started into this, you know, just these moments in life that usually are, are, are skipped in movies. And here, they're, they're still there. Yeah, right. very much, very much so. Yeah, like when you're we were talking about the beginning, you're, you're showing the the in opening credits. They're using the opening credits, the names and the words on the screen as transitions to the next scene. Yeah, and you know you're you're zooming into the letters, and it's just it's seamless. And you that's how you just skip from scene to scene, uh, camera angle to camera angle. Yeah, it never skips a beat, and you still kind of see the actual events. I mean. I believe that it's pretty much just uh, setting up the actual events in motion, right? Right. Robert, mm -hmm. it just kind of sets up, you know, the characters, the uh, w people that are involved with the mob, the actual cops and everything. And, and it also sets the tone for the movie as well. It's not too fast-paced that, you know, it's just one after the other after the other after the other, but, you know, it's not so slow-paced that you're just like, wait a second, what's happening now? Yeah. You know? I mean, it sets the tone, it sets the pacing rather well, right out the fucking gate. Yeah, right, right until the end. I mean, this is the very end of the movie. It's a very contemplative scene, a yeah. reflective scene, per se, because he's reflecting, you know, in the mirror. Right. And he just, he, he sees his girlfriend in bed there, and, and he just watches his face. He looks in there for a moment, and... I think you can kind of read his mind a little bit. You can kind of understand, okay. But then, you know, you guys brought something up, and, you know, this is just another day yeah. for him. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's it's just finally the events afterward. When the cop goes home, he just takes his shit off. He goes and washes up, and he just chills out. Normal. Pr he pro processes the day's work. And then the yeah. fade-out on his ammo belt, that's where the movie ends. Mm-hmm. Quiet and, and just leaving the viewer to their own thoughts, their own devices. And I, I think that's really awesome. Okay, yeah, that's because you're pretty much watching Bullet in his own thoughts and devices. Yeah, that's symbolism. Yeah. Bullet, yeah. you know, looking at his ammo. And he, he's just kind of thinking, like, man, what the fuck was all that for? Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, it was just another day of the job for you. Gotta get up and do it again. Right? Mm-hmm, yeah. You, you, you kind of have that resignation there. He's just like, you know, he's just going to get up and he's probably going to get into another fucking case like this and it's probably going to be just as far-reaching or it could just be slow. But, I mean, th that's really what's interesting about this movie is that it doesn't... It's very much a police procedural, you know, but it doesn't, it doesn't feel as forced as other you know, movies or TV shows like that, if you all catch my drift. It was very natural. Yeah, it had a natural flow to it. And, I mean, you started to, and like I said, you started to see that with a lot of the new Hollywood movies at the time. Like, like late, later on, you would have something like, you know, Once Upon a Time in the West, or you would have Dirty Harry, or then later, like, Scorsese's movies, like Taxi Driver, you know? I mean, and a lot of those movies, they used scores that were... A little jazzier. That's something that I noticed. There was this is very much a jazz score. In You're this. very much right. Scorsese used a lot of jazz. Yeah, Taxi Driver. Right? Oh, and Taxi Driver. <laughs> I mean, those horns pretty much were character defining moments for Travis Bickle. I mean, those horns swelling up. I mean, that was pretty much just him building up to his acts of violence. But in this right here, the jazzy score just more or less kind of helps keep the action flowing and it helps keep the actual like more procedural elements in place. I mean, as usual, we are watching the movie while we're talking, although not commentary style. 
<laughs> I mean, what did y'all think about the score of this movie? You know, do you like jazz? <laughs> there was that B movie meme for you guys. Yeah. Now I've never really been a like a big jazz guy, but it really worked for this movie. I think it gave you a sense of urgency. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, jazz can be a very urgent genre of music, <laughs> you know, which makes sense. And I mean, what's going on on screen here? I mean, this is a very desperate situation. Right. Yeah. You know, I mean, they're I mean, they're trying to bring down this mob boss. He's he's about to try to get the fuck out of Dodge. Near the end of the movie. You're chasing somebody through the hospital. Yeah. And then, then, and then it culminates in a scene in an airport where Bullet has to discharge his weapon. And once again, that's very anachronistic of a different time when it comes to airports. I mean, if you've used airports recently, yeah. I mean, post 9-11 era. Oof. But I mean, th- th- this right here, I mean, there's there's so many like very almost like contrived elements there. Like... Like the nuns that yeah. were walking through there, like like a lot of that was like I'm I'm surprised they didn't have like the Harry Krishnas at the time, you know? <laughs> yeah, it was weird. I, I, like like an airplane. Those nuns weren't even a plot <laughs> element; they were just part of the bystanders. So at some point, somebody decided, okay, well we're gonna have a bunch of bystanders here. Wait, why don't we throw in some nuns? Or right? Something? Yeah, <laughs> yeah no, somebody had yeah. to think that. And that that's a pretty common trope if you ever want uh, bystanders is to have at least a nun, if not a couple, a few nuns. In the background. No, speaking of tropes, there was a particular reoccurring element in this film. Right? I was thinking about that. Mm-hmm. It was the uh, the the green beetle. The green yeah. beetle. That's right. The green Volkswagen beetle. beetle. Yeah, that was present throughout most of the of the car chase. It's just there randomly parked on the side of the street too. Yeah, yeah, you'll, we, you'll see it. You know, yeah, we egg. saw. It, I mean, yeah, we saw it so many times. We could have counted on our hands, you know, if we wanted to. Ding. Hmm. Yeah, a little counter. I wonder. I wonder what if that was meant to actually symbolize anything yeah probably more an easter egg than anything else that's just what i'm thinking more of like a just little yeah just like me you know i'm going to stick this particular vw beetle in the background of in every shot every scene or in every scene that involves a car chase passed by it a hundred times <laughs> fuck <laughs> it's like like in universe how many of those beetles had to exist like how many people were driving a green volkswagen beetle yeah <laughs> I mean, yeah, seriously, and, it, and it's such a brand new looking VW Beetle as well. How old would it have been in that time? Well, VW Beetles, I believe, they were originally manufactured around World War II era. It was Germany engineering. It was Germany <laughs> engineering, like during the Third Reich, unfortunately. Came out but, in the fifties. Yeah, and and it became a staple of counter of the counterculture by the sixties. You know, especially the VW van. Oh yeah, you're right. Which I heard they're reissuing. No uh, way. Yeah, I, I think it's going to be more of a uh, elect, uh, electric uh, hybrid. The van with the the stove and the the fridge and. The oh yeah, yeah, man, it's crazy. <laughs> I just can't want, wait to watch this movie again with you guys and punch buggy no punchbacks every oh, time we see oh, it. Man, the Green Beetle. God damn it! There's nothing I hate worse than punchies. <laughs> or for for anything. The same beetle. Does it count if it's the same beetle? I don't, I don't think <laughs> so. <laughs> Maybe that could be a drinking game. Right. It, it could be. Every single time you use the <laughs> it, it, it would be interesting to put together a drinking game for this. Now, that car chase scene, it's very much iconic, Robert. How, how does it stand up to other particular chase scenes that are memorable in other movies? You know, it's pretty much the first of its kind to put the audience in the driver's seat, you know. Yeah, for that sure. That first person shot? Like that in, first in the, in the person, exactly. It's never been done that way before. 
And a lot of other TV shows and movies followed after this one. Yeah, I, I noticed that there were a lot of different types of shots that you normally see in car chase. It, it pretty much uh, made different types of tropes for that particular type of scene in movies. And now we got the GoPro, so we can instantly put first person oh, right, yeah. right in the driver's seat. Honest, and honestly, Hardcore Henry. It. Mm -hmm. I mean, honestly, it's almost like a particular trope that came after Bonnie and Clyde when it came to car chases was the banjo bluegrass music. Like, that, that kind of became a trope in its own right, but... That that seems to be absent in this movie. Mm -hmm. It does its own thing. It's, it's yeah, the the, ja the jazzy score. You know, it, it kind of and it, and it fits with the actual location. Kind of, I mean, San Francisco. I mean, it's not the jazziest city in the world, you know. But I mean, you would think that that would be like New Orleans or anything like or something like that. But definitely New Orleans. As far as like California is concerned, I would say that San Francisco is probably the jazziest city there. Yeah, that's I probably think. true. I've never been, but it seems yeah. like that, the way it's it's pictured. It just seems to me like there would be some kind of jazz scene going on in the Bay Area. Yeah, some guy just, like, playing on, on the on the street. Yeah, that, that, just, <laughs> seems, that just seems right like, to me. I mean, there, there was, I mean, the there was thrash metal that came out from there. Why not jazz? I mean, didn't John Zorn come from the Bay Area as well? San Francisco? Yeah, yeah, he was the dude that originally signed Metallica. I don't know. I think he may have been in. Didn't New Robin York. Williams come from San Francisco? I think he did. Robin Williams. I think he yeah. started his comedian in San Francisco. Right? He started his career. Comedian, comedic acting, stand up, probably. Yeah. But I mean, what other uh, car chases and other movies would compare to this? Like, I mean, and what, like, what's what closely resembles this particular? Nowadays, scene? you see, you have like that Ryan Gosling movie Drive. Oh and yeah. You know, the Need for Speed movie, too. A lot of that, they take from this. A lot know? of that was an homage to more or less like uh, Steve McQueen movies. Yeah, you notice, you notice how they're all Mustangs, too, right? Yeah, yeah. A lot of Mustangs. Yeah. Frank? Yeah. Chalmers, downstairs with another man. They want to come up. Chalmers at 1 o'clock in the morning? No, don't let him in. I'll be there in five minutes. Right. Please, away from the door. Here are the latest baseball scores just in. The National League, our own San Francisco Giants, beat the Dodgers in both ends of a doubleheader. A 2 nothing shutout for the Twilighter, a 4-1 win in the nightcap. The twin wind pushes the Giants ahead. Trounce <laughs> <laughs> the Cubs in their own backyard. <laughs>
I mean, honestly, any racing movie. I mean, this is kind of like this gives you an idea of what racing's all about. You know. Oh yeah. Not so much racing, just like car chase. It's car chases. You know, yeah. I mean, pretty no, no, much the pos- precision driving. You know, yeah, yeah, and, and, the and it's something that has real stakes behind it, you know. Yeah, because I mean, you're trying to—they're trying to track down who actually killed these people, and then after after they actually track down and kill them, of course, you know, I mean, there's a huge explosion and everything. I mean, they kind of pick up the trail from there, and then that just leads to the airport. Airport. Yeah. Another hitman leaving. Well, and finding mm-hmm. the identities, the real identities of the witness and, yeah. and his girlfriend. Yeah, yeah, because that was more or less uh, kind of hidden, right? Yeah, and then and then the uh, original Ross was alive the whole time. That's that's a mind fuck kind. And the other of. guy that's was crazy. just like a, a body double who agreed to it because he had an uncanny resemblance to him. Yeah, I mean, it, it actually has a pretty complex plot in many ways. I mean. In some ways, almost kind of difficult to follow right. a little bit. Yeah, I, like we said before, uh, you may be so focused on the cinematography, and this isn't a takeaway at all, but it is something I noticed is that you know, you're know you so blown away. I mean, I think this movie takes a couple watches to really get. It, it really does. It definitely feels like a movie that you have to really, really kind of sit down and just take everything in one scene at a time, you know? Yeah. You pretend to take us some change. Oh, right. Right on. Yeah, this is uh, coming up to the actual chase, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, no, not for a few more scenes. Oh, okay, not for a few more scenes. I got you. Robert knows the movie like the back of his hand. Fuck yeah. (laughs) He's looking at the back of his hand. (laughs) This motherfucker. Uh, Is that new? Wait wait a second. Do I really know the back of my hand? Where'd that mold come from? Liver spots, bro. Yeah, right. Fuck. (laughs) Oh, hi, Johnny. I didn't know it was you. Oh, hi. Yeah, now Steve McQueen's acting, I mean, it's very subtle, more or less. I mean, it's not really as in your face, and and it really kind of adds to the realism to it, you know? I mean, he's a lot more unassuming in certain scenes. It's all in his eyes, man. You just, like, you see his facial expressions, which also don't really change, but yet yeah. that in and of itself portrays this stoicness and just this uh, unflinching nerve in in the face of danger yeah and uh that i think the TV that, that just says something about his personality it completely is the lack thereof you know right and i feel you ryan gosling-ish yeah it, it does feel kind of ryan gosling-ish i mean do, do you think right. that maybe the character in drive was kind of a little bit of an homage to mcqueen here yeah that's what i'm thinking yeah because, I mean, Gosling's uh, performance was very understated in that movie as well. Yeah, he didn't. Had, like, what, a few lines? 12 lines? Yeah. Maybe? A few lines? Shit. And if, it felt like felt like here in this movie, McQueen wasn't saying a whole lot. It's like, you don't need no. to say that much to get a message across or yeah, get exactly. your point across, really. I mean, seriously. I think that was another thing that uh, in some ways makes this a little hard to follow, and not necessarily in a bad way, but... You know, the, the complete lack of dialogue means that the movie relies a lot on uh, attention to detail, I think. Yeah, yeah. And, mm-hmm. and, atti- and attention to really what's going on in the background and everything. Yeah, and and just you kind of got to analyze the shot uh, to get the full context uh, of what's going on, you know? Well, what, what's even strange about that is, you know, how everything is... There's nothing that that's actually centered. Everything is very angled. Yeah, you know, it kind of adds to that a little bit. Hey, you're never looking straight down a hallway. You're always at an angle. Yeah, on that hallway. 
camera's right there. You can tell. Yeah. You think the, the bottom looking think the cameraman up, had to like yeah. kneel down. It's very <laughs> squat. It's very much static. There's no. There's very little movement. Which I'm saying, it's probably not even a cameraman at all. They probably have a, a rig, and they just left it on the rig. And yeah, go on a tripod. It, it's probably on a tripod. Maybe, maybe, yeah, maybe one hand on a little stick just in case, but like right here, somebody's holding it. Yeah, well, right here, they, they're they using either a dolly or a chest piece where it like, you know, hangs yeah. over the chest, right? We're, we're at a hospital scene right now, yeah. Now, uh, I, I think that's really effective, though, don't you guys? Yeah, very much so, honestly. And... When you really look at the color grading, that's interesting in its own right. It's very muted. Right. But it still t- tries to be a very colorful movie. It's still bright a little bit, but while at the same time not. See, like that, there's, there's like a teal door here and there, but the rest is just like a tannish, tan or a black or a white or a, you know. And once again, yeah. it, it kind of fits the location a little bit. I mean, San Francisco, it's it can be a little bit of a... Neutral? Neutral city. Yeah, it's very neutrally colored city. You know, when you actually go out onto the streets and you actually see everything. Yeah, and apparently they're colorblind because they call uh, Red Bridge golden. <laughs> yeah, they call the Golden Gate Bridge. It, it's red, people. <laughs> it's a fucking red bridge. Well, it's named after the, the strait, I guess. Yeah. But then what is that named after? Hmm. Hmm. Who knows, man? Who knows? Maybe somebody who knows who's a little more privy on... Geography in San Francisco can tell us. These are Elon Musk thoughts. Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, he gets high on one podcast. (laughs) Shit. So, in 2008 and in 2018 and 19, they actually re-released the particular car that Bullet uses in this movie, right? The Bullet car? Yes, they did. They made it faster. Yeah, I mean, yeah. What 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 were the specs on that? Like, what exactly did they do there? Like, is it is it an actual reproduction? I mean, was it modernized? Like, yeah. Well, I, th- I think the old one's a lot better. Like the one they came out with in two thousand eight. I mean, back then they were three four speeds, but yeah, the three speed, and now you got your five speed. Wow, no kidding. Short shifter. Yeah, so I mean, the car technology back then. I mean. It was a little more bare bones, right? Yeah. These new 2018, 2019s, they're mostly self-programmed. Oh, no oh, kidding. Wow. Inside the dash. Wow. So uh-huh. you can track spec it, off-road spec it, whatever. Wow, yeah. no kidding. So they actually have, like, onboard computers on yeah. there now. It's built into the dash, dude. Now that, That's something you would have to pay for. Shit, no kidding. Yeah. Now, compare that to the original car. Of course, there weren't any computers in there, but, I mean, what was the actual engine like in those cars? Like, what was the transmission like? A 390, blue Ford. The transmission, mostly, I'm thinking cast ironed, uh, three-speed, you know? I don't know. I don't know how you do it, Robert. I'm going to ask you anything. Yeah, we we put it out like a, a yellow Porsche to him in the movie. And he just started talking to us about like which what year it was most likely and and what kind of engine was in there. He just yeah. threw it off the top of his head. <laughs> Gotta give him props. Straight up. So so Robert, like, how would uh, that particular car feel like to drive for for those who haven't had that experience? Like, I mean, is it difficult to control? I mean, oh man, it'll, it'll get away from you. Yeah. yeah, if you let it. Cause cause I mean, this was before there was stuff like power steering and. Um, Stuff like that, right? Yeah, I think power steering was mostly a brand new thing, too. We're getting into that. Oh, yeah, around the 60s and 70s? Yeah. Right on, because, I mean, like, you, you tried to control it. Like, you had to, like... 
Yeah. Right. I mean, you, you can drive those cars without power steering, too. Oh, geez. I, I can only imagine. Power also. steering just it helps. <laughs> yeah. I I've, I can't say I've ever had driven an original muscle car without the power steering or anything, but I, I could see how that power could just really kind of get ahead of you a little bit if you don't I know bet. what you're doing. Like, what's the proper way to actually drive a car like that? Um, death proof it out, bro. Death proof it out. <laughs> there we go. There you go. Straight up, go full death proof. It's like, yeah, I'm gonna be fine in the driver's seat. Make a cage on the inside. Y'all motherfuckers. <laughs> Make one chair. Just one little chair for the camera. Make you strap. For the cameraman. There you go. God damn, it must have been dangerous to be a cameraman in those movies. Fuck. Can you, you imagine the uh, the difficulty of filming like the car chase scene? I mean, did did we mention before that he did his, his own stunts? Yeah, that's right. Steve McQueen, he did all of his own car stunts in this movie, right? Oh, man, when they found out, dude, yeah. Not yeah. to mention that to do these scenes, you have to block off a whole portion of a city. Exactly. Right? They, had to, oh, they yeah. had to block off a whole portion of San Francisco that people couldn't drive in so they could have paid actors go through and not mess up the set, right? Yeah. You can't right. trust the the pass the random passerby person because they'll just ruin the movie. So you gotta block off the set and you gotta have your certain people. You gotta leave the cars in place, make the set how you want it. And it, I think it's just really crazy how, how much effort it takes to do in each scene. Yeah. Well, it's definitely. a lot of a lot of work or, uh, and especially in a major city like San Francisco. Right. I mean I mean nowadays I mean, productions like that, they think nothing of it, almost, you know? I mean, they, they'll shut down in the entirety of entire blocks of goddamn New York City to film movies now. So it seems. Mm-hmm. Or, or even uh, or even just uh, on an active street, you know? Like, like, I remember in The Dark Knight Rises, Christopher Nolan, he, uh, he actually filmed some stuff that had, like, some Occupy Wall Street protests yeah. going on in the background. Where did actually, he film at? New York City. So, wait... He didn't film in the real Gotham City. <laughs> oh my goodness! <laughs> oh come on, New York City is Gotham City. Fuck. It's also Metropolis too. It's it's yeah. Somehow it's Metropolis and Gotham City. I think Metropolis is more like uh, it's more like New York City or maybe Washington, and Gotham's more like I don't know, like Detroit or something. Jersey. Jersey. Yeah. New Jersey. Is, is Gotham City Jersey? I guess so. Right? I don't know, man. Yeah, that makes the most sense. That does. I mean, so so that makes sense. Just Guidos everywhere. Maybe like oh, Newark God or something. <laughs> that that actually makes a lot of sense. With with all the fucking mooks around, all everything the that, that that t- turned out to be henchmen and shit. It's like Jesus Christ, man. And, and speaking of gang wars and, and mob bosses, you know, uh-huh. like you see in Gotham. I mean, uh, a lot of this movie actually builds on on those kind of shenanigans. Uh, yeah, I mean, this, this is a mob. A uh, crime movie, very much so. Yeah, it's it's a mob movie first and foremost. Yeah, you know, and the car chase is kind of ancillary to that, but I mean, it's the most iconic part of it, and especially with McQueen doing his own stunts. I mean, that that that's fucking awesome. I think they also brought his former stuntman from The Great Escape on here too. That's oh yeah, right. he was the biker. Yeah, the guy on the bike. Yeah. He Steve McQueen drove the bike in the movie. Damn, Great Escape. No Great kidding. Escape. Sorry. So so he's he's done his own stunts before. Yeah. Well, wow. he's a marine, so you know. Marine. <laughs> oh yeah, man. He's got the physical training. This guy started from nothing, man. I mean, grew up in a boys' home, you know. Wow. That's his inspiring. Yeah, he, he grew, yeah he grew up in a juvenile home, and he enlisted in the Marines and was honorably discharged. Yeah. 
used his GI Bill to pay for acting school. Damn, you know That's what awesome. I gotta say? Yeah. Steve McQueen's a badass. That is badass. That is a smart motherfucker, yeah. right? Sur- served his country and came back and went to acting school. Let's go, like that's, Chris- Christopher that's, Lee. That's fucking yeah. Like Stan Lee did the same thing. Stanley, yeah, yeah, he did the same too. thing. Uh, like Johnny Cash did as well. He served Elvis. Johnny Cash. Elvis. Yeah. I mean, a lot. There, there's actually quite a few actors that served. I mean, yeah, I do know another one. He died in a plane crash. Oh yeah, I forgot his name. Oh shit. <laughs> yeah. Oh, sorry. Died in a plane crash. You say? Famous actor died in a plane crash. Almost like a Cessna. Did he die with other people? Yeah, he was like a cowboy movie actor. Okay, not who star. I was thinking of then. I think I was watching him with Dave on television. Like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I Dave. was thinking of... Uh, like, who's this guy? It wasn't, it wasn't Roy from, Rogers. From was Texas, too. I forgot his name. Was it Gene Autry? I think so, yeah. It may have been Gene Autry. I don't know. I, I sure. think I know because... Yeah, D- Dave is one of our co-workers, and he knows a thing or two about... Westerns. Westerns and old school actors and everything. Yeah. Pretty and, much a pro at it. And according to him, drugs and pussy. <laughs> yeah. Oh, this motherfucker. <laughs> God damn it. I, I, I'm using Dave's words here. No, that's Dave's words, yeah. We, we, we got to get him on the podcast sometime, man. <laughs> he's like, back in my day. Oh, man, he's a trip. Y'all L- ladies, and, ladies and gentlemen, y'all would love him. Now, what went wrong, Lieutenant? Who else knew where he was? What? Who else knew where he was? What are you implying? Well, they knew where to look for him and they used your name to get in. Are you suggesting I disclosed his whereabouts? Somebody did. And it didn't come from us. That's hardly the issue. Well, it certainly is. I've got an officer with a family. And he's shot up pretty bad. Mm-hmm. And I've got a witness who can't talk. I want to know about Ross. What was the deal you made with him? Deal? <laughs> Lieutenant, don't try to evade the responsibility. In your parlance, you blew it. You knew the significance of his testimony, yet you failed to take adequate measures to protect him. So to you, it was a job. No more. Were it more? And you the dedication I was led to believe? You believe what you want. You work your side of the street, and I'll work mine. Lieutenant, I shall personally officiate at your public crucifixion if Ross doesn't recover during the course of the hearing so I can at least present his deposition. And I assure you, I shall not suffer the consequence of your incompetence. And even if there wasn't any, I'm rather certain I can prove negligence on your part. There may be another attempt on his life. I'll be back in the morning with my people. We'll do like an old western with him, you know what I mean? Yeah, like, straight uh, up, straight up. We'll do like a Once Upon a Time in the West or something. Or something John Wayne, Wayne or, yes. you know? or John Wayne. Well, John Clint. Wayne was a fucking white supremacist fuckhead. Fuck him. Oh, Clint Eastwood wow. or something. Oh, well, oh. he did make some good movies. Uh, he's also yeah. the most prolific actor of all times. So. Yeah. Clearly he did something right. How about Switch Clint Eastwood? Silent film. Clint Eastwood. Clint Eastwood is great. Yeah, we could do Clint Eastwood. Yeah. He's done some great movies like, like uh, the Dollar Trilogy. Yeah. I've heard of that. 
fuck yeah, like for a few dollars more, stuff like that. Spaghetti westerns are where it's at, I think. <laughs> like straight oh, up. Man. Did I mean Steve McQueen did some westerns, right? Yeah, he did. He did quite a few. What's that one that's on the? You have one on the ground, actually. You yeah, he showing us. W- wasn't he in Magnificent Seven, or am I thinking of someone else? You talking about Clint Eastwood? I'm talking about Steve McQueen. Steve McQueen. Yeah, he's Magnificent Seven with Charles Bronson and. Wasn't Lee Van Cleef in that movie? Seen uh, the Magnificent Seven, really? No, 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 no. Who else was in that? Yul Brenner was in that movie, right? It was Yul Brenner. Robert Vaughn is also Magnificent Seven, right? Yeah, same guy as in here. So yeah, he's it's not the first time he's worked with him before. Yeah, and, and, and you're holding in your hand one of uh, Steve McQueen's Western television shows that he did, right? Oh yeah, ninety four episodes, and then they canceled the, sh- the series. What's the name of that? Wanted Dead or Alive. Wanted dead, Wanted dead or alive. Wanted dead or alive. Bon Jovi. Bon Jovi. <laughs> <laughs> Straight up, man. I've seen a few episodes of that series. Yeah, it's this pretty good. This isn't too bad. At the same time, he was making The Blob and... Yeah, that's right. He was in The Blob. This is that same, uh, same year, 1958, right? God damn. No, it was 68, you mean, right? Well, this is 58, right? Here. Oh, that's 58. So, yeah. yeah this he... is 68, right? Okay, I got you. I mean, it's no Walker Texas Ranger, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> good, good. I'm just yeah, kidding. but I, I mean, seen it. the Blob that was a great kind of creature feature, more yeah, or less. Your original driving movie. Yeah. Yeah. And the only Criterion movie that you own, right? The only one I have. God damn. When so, I think driving movie, I think like Gremlins or some shit. That, like a monster that would, movie. That would qualify. Gremlins. I mean, also you know, like more grindhousey movies. Oh yeah, you yeah. Know, like. Mm-hmm. 80s. I just listened to some Grindhouse music that Bo showed me. Grindhouse music. Oh, you're talking about Grindcore. Grindcore. <laughs> oh, yeah. The Grindcore. Grindcore? Is that like a offspring of Nightcore? No, it's just extremely loud, obnoxious, abrasive, heavy music. So ear rape. Very much so. Yeah, <laughs> it's, ear it's ear rape. I mean, everybody needs to listen to Napalm Death or Pig With Destroyer. A bunch or of pigs growling. Oh, and can we talk about this crazy-ass guy's mutton chops? Oh, man, <laughs> these are the mutton chops to end all mutton chops right here. Those sunglasses. Bro. They're Italian. <laughs> Straight Italian. Th- that, those are friendly mutton chops. The cigarette. Meaning, also meaning they, they connect with the mustache. Yeah, 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 yeah. They're called friendly mutton chops. Look, that's what those are called. Those are called friendly mutton chops. <laughs> yeah. Look, mustaches are ugly if they're not connected with a beard. Adding the mutton chops to it just ruins it, bro. <laughs> it just—it just looks like one ginormous mustache yes. that just wraps around your head. <laughs> yes, it's exactly what it looks like. Jesus Christ! <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, those are some gnarly mutton chops, man. Totally gnarly. But I—I I wouldn't wear my facial hair like that, though. All right, you're pointing at something. What are you looking at? Looking at the 68. No, now we got to look out for the bug. Guys, we're not doing another commentary. There's another 14. <laughs> not yet. Now here's the taxi. Man, have to take here's the, taxi. the God damn. Volkswagen van right there. Oh, yeah. So Steve McQueen, he he received an Academy Award, didn't he? Uh, I think he was nominated. He was nominated. For was, the Sand Pebbles. The Sand Pebbles. What was that yeah. movie about? I think he portrayed, like, this seaman in like World War Two, you know. Oh, okay, I see. And pretty much, uh, he worked on below deck, putting a ship together, you know. Pretty much the maintenance crew, you know. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, that's interesting. He nominated for an Academy Award for something that's pretty much just portraying a supportive role. Did you say? On a ship. Did you say seaman? 
Semen. <laughs> he's, a, he's a total semen. semen. I mean, there's also that in Ichi the Killer. Oh, yeah, oh, there's plenty of, plenty of that in Ichi the <laughs> in Killer. The credits. It's in the beginning of the credits. Too much. Oh, yeah, straight up. Oh, yeah, there, we have lots more disturbing movies coming So, up. yeah, we are in the chase scene already again, so. All right, yeah, here yeah. we go, chase scene. No matter how many times you've seen it, it's still iconic. Oh, yeah. It's great. Oh, Gotta yeah. Gotta be the best scene in the movie. Is it RT? I'll bet this is what was shown at a lot of, like, the trailers, too. Was that yeah, car, yeah. Yeah. Chase scene, like, that, this is the highlight of the film. It's, this is, this is the, <clears throat> the turtle bit. That's what sold the oh, movie. Oh, God. The turtle. No. Yes. No, turtle. no, 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 the no, turtle. no. Turtle, turtle. No. Turtle. No. 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 Kids' no. choice award. Hey, Bo. Who's your daddy? Who's I daddy? swear to God, I will turn this entire podcast around right now. <laughs> we will go home. We will go back home. We will go back home right now. Okay, Dad. That's, that's right, Daddy. Who's your daddy? Wait, what? What, what did you say? Who's Bo? your daddy? Did we get Bo to say it? Hey, I didn't say it. I didn't say it the way that you wanted me to say it. I said it my way. Ha! I'm the daddy, and you're the bitch. I'm the fucking daddy. Here. That's right. Never forget that, Ash. I'm never calling you daddy. Oh, you will someday. Nah, I'm just playing. So, Steve McQueen, unfortunately, he passed away. He. Rest in pieces. He, yeah, he passed away of lung cancer along with stomach cancer, right? Mesothelioma. Yeah. Mesothelioma. Jeez. Yeah. Oh, that sucks, man. Because he lived a, I mean, a pretty rough lifestyle too. I mean. Yeah, but that yeah. usually has more to do with but, just asbestos yeah, exposure. Yeah, exactly. Exposure. Asbestos and mold buildup mostly is what mesothelioma is, right? Yeah. Yeah, and it happens to a lot of older folks like later in life. Yeah, yeah, you have you right. pretty much have to be exposed to certain things for pretty much a lifetime. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like my fiance's grandfather that that's what got him. Damn, no kidding. So he he worked uh, in like on like trains or shipyards or whatever. Or yeah, and he was healthy. He never went to a doctor like a day in his life, and the mesothelioma just just got him. Apparently, I I never met him, but wow, that's the story. Yeah, I mean that'll happen. Working with like fiberglass and yeah, stuff like something that. anything like that. with a spore in it, right? I think so. But yeah, I mean, he ended up going to Mexico to, for treatment, and he, he died shortly after, apparently shortly after having surgery. Right after he got out of surgery, right? Yeah, think, not even a few hours after being out of surgery. Think, hanging with his family, and then, yeah, he died in his sleep. Had an embolism. Yeah. Man, that's a damn shame. Blood clot. Oh, man, he, man, he could have provided so much more to the world of cinema. Oh, yeah. Agreed. Yeah, how, how old was he? He was 50 years old already. He was See, that's only still pretty young. F- he was only 50. Yeah, that's Fuck. young. Yeah, that's young. You know what I mean? Uh, back then, <laughs> you lasted until like, what, you were 47? And that was still old, right? Yeah, right. It's Remember crazy. That? Jesus Christ, man. But, I mean, he lived a very full life. He did 26 movies, right? Yeah. Exactly. That's, that's, that's a good number. That's a hell of a career, honestly. That's a good legacy to leave behind, dude. Yeah. yeah pretty man. impressive. Be one of Hollywood's mainest high-paid actors at that time. I mean, he was Academy Award oh, yeah. nominated on top of the world. You know, I mean, geez, man. I mean, that that's a that's a life well lived, man. I mean, if you really go back and look up some of those golden age uh, or even the new Hollywood actors, I mean, I mean, they they left they left behind really interesting stories, like like Paul Newman, Dennis Hopper, fucking you the know, dean, the dean, yeah. What's his name? Uh, Damn it. <laughs> Damn Green it bug. all! Damn it! So, Robert, is is this Steve McQueen's best movie? You think? 
His best role. His best role. Yeah, yeah. What What are some of his uh, other movies that are notable? I mean, we get into the seventies. We get into the like the Getaway and the, the original Thomas Crown Affair. Yeah, that's right. He did the Getaway. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I believe that was a movie that was, was that? Re- that was remade, wasn't it? Yeah, the Getaway was another car movie made with Ethan Hawke and, and yeah, yeah, yeah. Selena Gomez. Remember that? Oh yes, I saw that. The Getaway, I saw that. Oh, mm. like Selena Gomez. It was terrible. So that Gomez was a remake. Yeah. yeah. I didn't even know that. I thought it was the PlayStation 2 game, The Getaway. Remember that? Oh, that's Remember familiar. that, Bo? Yeah, yeah, but in that movie, they the main character was never named. Is that true in the original? No. Okay. Yeah. Two different things. Cincinnati Kid is when Steve McQueen portrays a, a car shark, pretty much. Okay. And this is, again, this is Paul Newman's rival at that time. So, you know, he, he had to live up against Paul Newman. He was already a star in the 50s, too. His best movie? Yeah. I do like The Great Escape movie, and I do like The Blob. I mean, yeah. The Blob's actually... Yeah, The Blob is a good movie. You can keep going back and watch The Blob, you know? Oh, yeah, easily. I definitely want to give this a rewatch, you know? Yeah. Sometime, you know what I mean? Uh, we've got kind of got a running in the background, too, but... But I had to actually focus on it and, and watch this again after... You know, to focus on the plot, because like I said before, I had a lot of trouble focusing on the plot because I was too busy focusing on how well this movie was made. You know, the, yeah. the cinematography, everything about it. It's the acting. Just, the acting to everything. Hey, the this, is, this movie was put together with precision. It's I another mean, this was, this car great. racing movie. What is that? Le Mans. Le Mans. It's another car racing movie. What's, what's Steve McQueen? European drivers. He's that stunt driver who was on that bike. Who That's just one of his babies. He put all his money into that and he produced it. And it it kind of flopped. Oh, oh damn! But it's still badass. Well, considering that he had a a cars character named after him, he must have had a pretty good background. With Clearly, the, with the car, you know. Obviously, car yeah. scenes. Yeah. yeah, but so did Jay Leno. Jay Steve Leno. McQueen was also. Do you not remember that in Cars? On the oh Olympic, the Olympic motorcycle team. Really? No, if you ever if you noticed that or heard about that. No. Olympic. Mo- there was an Olympic motorcycle team. Yeah. No kidding. Should be an Olympic car racing team. So, yeah, he's an actual racer. So That's cool. Props to him. Man. I, I know why he does his own stunts. Yeah, no kidding. For man. real, though. You yeah, can't he, pull he was that straight off up, easily. Man. And, I mean, the car chase scene, which is still going on in the background, by the way. I mean, this this is a scene that just, it lasts a little while. Oh, yeah, it lasts a while. There's some good stunts in it, and it's, it's surprisingly well done. Yeah, it just... Um, it's not boring at all. It never drags. It's just, it, it lasts. And, you know, I, I like how the perspective quickly changes between the participants. Right, yeah, yeah, I noticed that. It's almost seamless. You almost fill in the car with, with both, you know, both sets of characters. Yeah, yeah. Exactly, exactly. Hollywood stuntman, stuntman, stuntman.
Anyway, I think we're going to go ahead and wrap this one up. I think we've said about as much as we can about this movie. Mm-hmm. I mean, Steve McQueen was definitely a very interesting actor, very important actor. Definitely right. check his work out. He left a hell of a legacy behind. Yeah. I'm holding, one his, some more from him. I'm holding his movie Le Mans right here. We'll definitely check that out. He was in The Blob, of course. I mean, and I see a movie down there that he did with Natalie Wood, right? Yeah, this is a TV movie for the 60s back then. Yeah, what was it called? It's called Love with a Proper Stranger. Oh, interesting. And, yes, yeah, the 60s. So that was more like a more like a romantic drama or something like that? Just a straight-up drama? or Yeah, it's a romantic drama. Okay, I got you. I got you. And, yeah, I mean, made-for-TV movies at that time were pretty okay. I don't know. My final thoughts, though, about this movie, Steve McQueen's a badass. Total <laughs> badass, man. I That's mean, all just, I can say about this movie. Just looking at his overall life's work and everything, I mean, I mean, it, it was pretty primo. Nah, you're yeah, right. I agree. I, I mean, agree. J- just, just doing his own stunts and everything, I mean, he, he was pretty much a Tom Cruise of his time. Yeah, You're very right. You know, it's interesting, oh, yeah. too, because you... you Doesn't he look like Daniel Craig? Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I can see that. I can see that. No, Daniel Craig looks like him. Sorry. Yeah, honestly, it's the other way around. But um, I was going to say, y'all would refer to this movie as Steve McQueen's uh, bullet instead of uh, Peter Yates, which is interesting because uh, it just goes to show how much of an impact uh, just that starring actor has. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And also, I mean, Peter Yates himself, I mean, he went off to direct some really interesting movies. He directed Kroll. He directed The Friends of Eddie Coyle. I mean, th- those are some pretty essential movies. Yeah, and honestly. based on the direction that he takes uh, in this movie, I could definitely see he has a, a penchant for cinematic storytelling and, and for um, hyper-realistic cinematic storytelling, if that makes any sense. You know, it's both cinematic and realistic in the same way. Yeah, it's definitely a really interesting style, and it lends itself well to the stories that he's usually telling. I mean, he pretty much did everything from fantasy to crime movies to, you know, straight up just dramas and everything. I mean, he's definitely an interesting director, and we definitely recommend checking him out. Of course, check out Steve McQueen's discography. Like, that's, that's definitely a given. And Robert, what are your final thoughts? This was your movie. This is the movie that you chose for the podcast. Like, what are your final thoughts? Great movie. <laughs> Great movie. I'm, I'm glad you guys enjoyed it, really. Hell but yeah. I'm glad man. we were able to carry it this long, too. <laughs> and, and, and what do you have to say about the vehicles in this movie? What are your final thoughts on those? Vehicles. Hell yeah. Oh, I wish I had my old car back, dude. <laughs> <laughs> right. Man, yeah. don't, don't we all? It'll last forever if you treat it right. Well, everybody, I guess that's going to be it for us. This is a little bit of a shorter episode than we're used to, but, I mean, honestly, I just think that we've said everything we can say about this movie, right. honestly. A lot of it, you've just got to watch yourself, and, yeah. and you've just got to just see the angles and see the shots we're talking about. It's a story that tells itself without much words, so it's hard to use words to describe it. <laughs> no, that's a good way of putting it. That's good. That's smart. Think of playing Grand Theft Auto 5 and just driving through the city with a <laughs> <laughs> Right, right, Yo, right. That's lined up next season, Grand Theft Auto 5. Hell yeah. Nice. For, for Collateral Gaming? For Collateral Gaming, hell yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Y'all just released an episode recently, right? Yeah, we just did our indie episode on Hello Neighbor. Sweet. And uh, that was a lot of fun to do. That was our very first indie game review. 
uh, next we're going to follow on with our schedule as originally stated. We kind of right. threw in the indie episode. Yeah. But uh, we're going to do No Man's Sky, introducing uh, my sister, Christian Chancellor, uh, our sister. Uh, hopefully, um, if it all works out. Christian Chancellor as a guest host, and uh, Jake is supposed to be coming on board as well, right? We'll see if he plans on it, but yeah, hopefully. Your friend Jake. So uh, that'll be fun. On, he may not come on until Uncharted or a few ones later, but I don't know. Well, I'm definitely, I'm definitely looking forward to producing those episodes. That's going to be very interesting. It is. Yeah, yeah, we're super looking forward to it. No Man's Sky is a really interesting game to talk about, uh, whether you, you like it or not. And um, we're definitely going to go into uh, both the controversies and, and the redeemable factors. Yeah. What's next for uh, Collateral Cinema? What's next is we are getting into our 420 celebration. Hey. Last month we did two episodes and we're doing the same thing this year. Two episodes again this month? Yeah, we are you going last to... Year? Last year. Last year. Yeah, I should say. Sorry. And for our first 420 episode, we are going to do James Franco and Seth Rogen's Pineapple Express. <laughs> I haven't seen this movie yet, honestly, believe it or not. It's become... Highly recommended to me. Like it's another David Gordon Green film. Yeah, D- David Gordon Green. He did the Halloween remake along with Danny McBride, and I'm actually really looking forward to that because we are also going to have our second ever uh, guest host from a different podcast. We are going to have Michael Cornwell from the Country Club podcast. It's another podcast that we produce here at Section Nine Studios, and. On the next episode after that, we are going to do Half Baked, Ooh. Dave Chappelle's grand stoner classic. Oh, I love like, Dave Chappelle. Oh, man. Uh, it, it's, it's not his movie, per se. He didn't direct it, but it, it practically is by this point. Yeah. Like it's, Comedy Central, baby. Like, Rocky yeah. is really Sylvester Stallone's movie. Oh, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, definitely. Yeah. But, I mean, it, it, it's... Chuck Weber. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> well, just like Bullet is Steve McQueen's movie. And we're going to have... Sam Kurtzer from the same podcast, from the Country Club podcast on that one. And that's going to be a lot of fun. Like, we encourage everybody to get super fucking baked for this. And (laughs) check out our previous 420 episodes from season one. It was uh, How High, and we also did the two Super Trooper movies, including what was then an At the Cinema episode. On screen. And... You guys are in for a treat for Collateral Gaming's 420 episode. I don't want to spoil it yet, but it's going to be fun. It's going to be fun, right? Yeah, yeah. it's going to be interesting. Oh, yeah, I think I think you told me what it was, and it's going to be kind a hell of, of a ride. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be pretty different. Yeah, I, I'm looking forward to that. We're definitely going to have you guys play it. Oh, we're going to play it. We're going to get super baked. It's going to be a fun time. <laughs> oh my goodness! I can't I can't wow. wait, man. Because la- last year the 420 episodes were so much fun. Like, I mean, I think it was pretty much just, was it really pretty much just you and me on those yeah, episodes? Yeah, it was just us for a while, dude. Yeah, it, it, that, that was back when it was just Robert and I pretty much doing this whole thing ourselves. You know, this was before we had Ash on here. We were, of course, way before we had Dakota. <laughs> and so this is going to be y'all's first 420 with us. It's like, going to be fun. I'm looking it, forward to it. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun, guys. And, and I'm looking forward to having more guest hosts on, especially this season. And also, you can find us on Twitter, at C-Cinema Podcast. You can find us on Facebook. We're also on Instagram. And we're on iTunes and wherever else you get your podcasts. And we are also on the Chill Lover Radio app. You can find us on their app. You can find us on any of their channels, anywhere you get your podcasts as well. 
especially look for them on SoundCloud. And also, we are going to have some more commentaries up on Patreon and Podbean Patron very soon. And we're, we're also going to go ahead and announce that we're going to start production, Robert and I, on our first YouTube video under the Collateral brand. We're, we're going to go ahead and do a movie recommendation video. It's going to be completely completely off the cuff. It's going to be... He's five of your pick and five of mine. Yeah, yeah it's going to be... Yeah, we're at least going to bring five movies each. And we're going to have a lot of fun. We're going to try to make it as stylized as we can. We're going to try not to half-ass it. Yeah. But, I mean, we're really, really looking forward to getting on YouTube. Because, I mean, we, we watch a lot of YouTube stuff when it comes to movies and video games. So, yeah, we're going to have a lot of fun on that journey. So, ladies and gentlemen, do join us for that. Do join us for our 420 specials. I'm Bo Maddox. I'm Robert Ordon. I'm Ashley Chancellor. I'm Dakota Chancellor. And Collateral Cinema is out. That's weird. Cinema is an L Company production. All music and movie clips are owned by their respective creators and are used for entertainment purposes only. Please don't sue us. We're poor.